When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming up on episode 252 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the Ford F-150 Lightning, the Rivian R1T, the Kia Stinger, driving the GM Lunar Rover in a simulator, the Ford Bronco Sport, the Ford Bronco Raptor, the Cadillac Celestic, and a lot of listener questions. All that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 252 of Wheel Bearings. I am Sam Abul-Samad from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakeland from the Fast Women Podcast. And I am Roberto Baldwin from Ars Technica. And Roberto, what have you been driving? So I want to finish up really quickly. The Kina Stinger is awesome. It's just this great little four-door sport sedan i really really liked it um just kind of following up on last you could kind of call it a five door because there's a hatchback too it is a hatchback yes so it makes it better hatchbacks are always better because you can put more stuff in the back um yeah no it's it's a great little car um you should go out and buy one if you're looking for (laughs) or at least not buy one okay you should it should be on your list if you're looking for sort of sporty fun uh, sedans that you can put people in the back and you're not you like, should investigate the possibility you should that investigate it's the, right vehicle the possibility for you. if it's the right vehicle for you it's yes. yeah but it's 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 priced right it's fun to drive it's you know it, again it just it continues on the sort of the whole hyundai um motor companies or motor groups uh domination of things that it wants to do and it just sort of does it and you're like wow this is really nice so yeah just hyundai and kia just look at their stuff that's that's and, that's, and it's that's got such a cool name stinger stinger yeah it's like a little bee or something yeah. uh yeah hyundai stinger or hyundai stinger kia stinger might as well say hyundai why not kia stinger. It has, yeah, it, yeah it might you know it has it, it very much has like a 60s uh you know hot rod name the stinger yeah it's got a little b it's like Was it a four-cylinder stinger. or v60 you had uh v6 okay it was pretty dope um, and then let's talk about what I did after that. Um, I drove the GM Lunar Rover on the moon, sort of, kind <laughs> of, in a simulator in Milford. Uh, so you did it Mil- just the way that the Apollo astronauts did in the 60s then, right? Yep, I just got on the moon. Um, it turns out, like, uh, whenever they did, <laughs> when they did the, the original Lunar Rovers and they tested them here on Earth, 
when they got to uh, the moon, all that all that information they got from driving around Earth was completely worthless. <laughs> Because the moon is different. So they knew there's left gravity, but there's also this sort of like silt, sharp, stabby, electric, statically charged uh, dust on the moon that's full of like metal and glass. It's just, it's essentially just asteroid bits. Um, and it sticks to everything. You know, hey, when you get like, uh, what's, what's the bit? Like packing peanuts? Mm-hmm. You put your hand in the packing peanuts. Yeah, and it just sticks to your arms and, and you know, it's like that, except it's sharp, stabby moon dust. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing they have to deal with while they're driving around in one six gravity. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was really fun. It was really weird though, because you don't quite, it, it, because it's, everything's gray, it's hard to have depth perception. And this is what they, they actually found this out from actual uh, astronauts who went to the moon is like, because everything's the same color, like your depth perception is sort of, is, is, uh, is it is limited because in here on earth you know like oh i can look out my window i'm like there's a brown thing and a green thing and a blue thing and this and that and then you know stereoscopic you know vision you kind of like oh these are closer these are further when you're on the moon everything's just gray (laughs) just shades of gray um and it's really just like two or three shades with because of uh uh you know the sun and whatnot it's like it's like trying to go skiing on an overcast day and yeah, white, and, and Every, you can't really see the contour of the snow. Yes, that's perfect. That's exactly what it's like. And you don't have the you don't have the special. You have just regular goggles as opposed to yeah. That's it. Yeah, this is exactly what it's like. We're like, I don't. Oh God. <laughs> 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 oh, there's moguls there. I didn't see. Oh that. gosh, I didn't see those. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly that. <laughs> that's per- That's a perfect. I should have used that in my uh, article. Oh well, too late. It's <laughs> it's live. Sorry. Too late now. <laughs> too late now. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a cool experience. Um, you know, they, they're working with Lockheed. They want to get this thing up on the moon before humans. Uh, they want it to be a level five autonomous vehicle. It'll drive around. It'll map out the well, technically area. It can't be on the moon before humans. Cause we've already been there. Well, recently, well, before I mean, the next batch of humans, <laughs> I mean, we have of... been there once. You got well, there that one. So you a say. Couple times. So, <laughs> that's not well, what... all we know. They were. Do we they, really they could have been in a, in a simulator? That's yeah. not. That's oh, not what Stanley Kubrick God. told me on his deathbed. Um, before the next gra- batch all of green humans, <clears throat> before the next batch of humans uh, make it up to the moon, um, they want this thing up there, going around, mapping, looking around, and and then. That way, when the humans do get there, the uh, vehicles found like some interesting spots. It's essentially a scout. It goes up there, it figures out like, hey, there's an interesting thing. How about we go here instead of having the humans when they get there being like, let's just drive around and figure it out. (laughs) The vehicle (laughs) will drive around and figure it out. It's like when you go visit a family member who lives in a really cool city, you don't have to drive around and figure things out. Your family member just tells you, oh, no, go here, go there, go here, go there. Yeah, don't go to that thing. It sucks. Um, That's... (laughs) That's uh, that's essentially what the uh, <laughs> rover wants to do. Uh, they talked about how you know they, all the things they have to figure out, like wheels, um, tire. You know, you can't you can't put air because it's it's a vacuum. Um, you know, they're going to be uh, electric vehicles with batteries. It's going to be based on Ultium. They would not tell me um, really anything. They wouldn't tell me how, <laughs> how much range it'll have. They wouldn't tell you me how nothing. quickly it would charge. <laughs> they didn't tell me the. They're still going to use lawn chairs for the seats. No, they probably won't use lawn chairs for the seats. Uh, they, but they kept, they showed us a bunch of designs of what the, the different types of seats, because they have to take into account the backpacks, you know, the things to keep the astronauts alive, and then the egress and and you know, getting in and out of the lunar rover. Like, you know, when you get in, like, oh, I, you don't want that backpack to hit things, and then you know, 
figuring out how to make it go. So they're like, oh, well, maybe instead of like an accelerator and a brake, because you can't really feel anything because your boots are way bigger than like your shoe size to keep you from dying on the moon. So you can't feel anything. So they're like, well, <laughs> why don't we make it, you know, uh, like hand controls, like maybe like a motorcycle or something. And then they talked about haptic feedback within the gloves because you can't feel anything. You're just like, oh, so, you know, if you've actually squeezed things yeah, and, so, you know, and things. so you know that you've connected yeah, I didn't think like, about yeah. that, but yeah, in those giant gloves, you would feel you'd have no idea that you actually engaged what you thought you engaged. Like, have I squeezed but, it? Ah! But, 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 if, but if it's all five autonomous, do you even really need any of that? Can't you just tell well, it where no, to go? No, you they, totally they, do they because they still want people to drive at some. Uh, they they oh, still okay. want to give people the opportunity to drive because when you get to the moon, you're going to want to drive around. See, and I have the more logical answer that when the autonomous technology fails because the aliens on the moon get pissed off because we're there, you're going to need a human to take over and properly pilot that vehicle. I'm just saying, uh, okay. you don't want it all in the hands of technology. You want to be able to take over when the aliens show up. Yep. Just you want to be enough. able to take over. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And the, the one that they've been showing, um, it looks kind of like a pickup truck. Um, that's like where they are right now, but they're still evolving the design. They showed us some designs that we weren't allowed to take photos of where, uh, you know, they've moved the, the solar panel up to the top of the vehicle. So it doesn't have that, you know, electric, electric, electrostatically charged dust, essentially sticking to the panels and of course, reducing the amount of sunlight and reducing the charge rate. Um, so they would put it on top and they put like sides on it. So super, yeah, it was really fun. It was uh, cool. And they, you know, they talked about how building the Hummer EV like sort of helped them work on this, which is, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Well, you know, it's the same thing. Like, it's the like, lesson from the Hummer and didn't make it quite so heavy because, you know, it costs a lot of money to, you know, per pound to lift stuff from Earth to the moon. To shoot yeah. stuff into space. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You have to take like all these things into account. I talked to them about, you know, they, they, they want to be, you know, so you can work on it while it's on the moon. And I asked them whether or not like, well, let's say this thing's on the moon for a few years. And now you have the battery and now you want to like swap the battery out and maybe you can use that battery for the lunar colony for another uh, use case where it's not as, you know, uh, car using batteries for cars is actually pretty hardcore for the battery. So when you put that battery in your house, it lasts way longer than it would in your car. So it doesn't have to be like pristine. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're kind of investigating that. But they are like making sure that people can work on things on the moon so you can like take things apart and fix it and fix your lunar, you know, uh, dr uh, your whip, your moon whip. Your, whip, your lunar whip, <laughs> your lunar whip. Uh, yeah. And of course, you know, driving in the, 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 the DIL, the driver in the loop uh, simulator is always fun, especially because they have to make it. So it's like one six gravity and, oh, and they yeah, would, that, that must be, yeah, it was really weird. Challenge. It was really weird. Yeah. They're like, yeah, it's hard to like sort of determine like where, um, like how, because of that and the death perception, all these other things, like you're hitting a, a crater and you're like, wait, what, am I going to? Oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Went a little too fast. But think yeah, of the so air had, you could get on the moon. I mean, just saying. <laughs> and they had like a one kilometer square area like that we could drive around on that they had mapped out um, from the moon. And there was this one giant crater and I was just about to drive into it. And they're like, please don't do that. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to veto that. There's one we'll have to do a control off the lead if you, uh, if you try and it takes that. it takes five minutes to restart the whole thing. And, you know, oh, there's geez. other people. And, you know, I was if I was last, they would let me do it. Um, Tim Stevens was last and he was about to do it. And then he hit like a, another crater and it like threw his. Oh, <laughs> he's just little, yeah. He's just like all of a sudden, oh, no, here's another crater, like a little tiny, like, you know, itty bitty one. He was going for the big one. 
and it, it like threw his little loon, his little uh, lunar his rover little all lunar over the place, and, everywhere. And, and, and you know, and they had to reset the system. And they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna get. Yeah, you can go for that." <laughs> like, yeah, he's gonna do it. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, never." Can mind. you imagine the chaos if they really just put a bunch of automotive journalists in charge of actually doing that stuff? And be like, <laughs> I can take that. I can take it. Oh, I'll drive it. Million dollar piece. That would be equipment. one hell of a press junket if they <laughs> right? sent us all to the moon. <laughs> yeah, you're on the moon. Here's your press junket. Oh, oh, oh. <sighs> You've only we only get to stay minutes. there for 18 hours. <laughs> yeah, you might have been seven days going back and forth, there. but you only get to spend eighteen hours on the surface. Yeah, and then we're gonna have a we're gonna have a lunch, and it's gonna be the exact same lunch: <laughs> chicken, uh, fish, or beef. Chicken, fish, or beef on the moon. <laughs> on the moon, people. On the, every every Instagram would be, I mean, fish on the moon. <laughs> I'm having some moon chicken. <laughs> So yeah, no, it was really fun. It was really cool. Um, you know, they're working with Lockheed Martin. Lockheed Martin, you know, they've been sending stuff up into space forever. Uh, aerospace company. Um, GM built the first lunar uh, rover, so they sort of know what they're doing. They kind of they have that, and of course they have the Ultimian system. So yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm excited. Oh, and this is all for the Artemis, uh, you know, international essentially um, moon trip that they're gonna do. Where they, we they, they might even launch one of those soon. Yeah, not, yeah. So it'll be, it'll, you know, going one. to them. Um, it'll be interesting what, what you do on the moon. Um, or whalers on the moon. That's all I could do the whole time was that Futurama <laughs> song. But yeah, that's me driving on the moon, sort of. <laughs> sort of, sort of, kind of, as close as you can come. That's, yeah, close as I'll be able to ever be able to drive on the moon. That was me. All right, Nicole. <laughs> me. Yes, your turn. Okay, I'm I'm uh, all Ford Bronco all the time, apparently forever. So much like I had or a run this of, week. Well, much I had a run like there was Hyundai, Hyundai, Hyundai drive program, yeah. Hyundai, Hyundai, Hyundai. I'm doing the same thing with the cars I have at home and the cars that I'm going to drive or have just driven. So the car that was in my driveway was the Ford Bronco Sport, which is um, the baby Bronco. It's not the same as the Bronco. The Bronco, it's not just like a separate it's sort, trim. It sort of kind of looks like a Bronco, but it's not it's, really a Bronco. Yeah. Yes. And people are and, like, oh, is that a Bronco? You're like, eh, no. it's a Bronco Sport. So like, don't get it. It's not like one of those things where it's like the Bronco Sport trim. No, the Bronco Sport is its own separate little vehicle. And it still has, I mean, it can do some off-roading. It's not, it's not a wimpy vehicle. Some, they drove a bunch of them on the Rebel Rally when this first came out and they all survived. They all made it to the end. So, I mean, it can go off-road, but it's still not a Bronco. It is not as off-road hardcore in your face and the doors don't come off and all that kind of stuff. So it's like Bronco light. Um, it's what a Ford escape would, you know, would want to be when it grows up. When it, yeah. when you just it's gave the Ford escape, some steroids, like yes. yeah, it's a, a better bit. Ford escape is what it's it. a better. It is a better Ford escape. So Bronco sport. That's what I had this week in my driveway. This one has a, it is a 1.5 liter engine. There's 181 horsepower, 190 pound feet of torque. It moves along just fine. It's nice and comfortable. Um, it has, I love, I love that it, I love it. Not every, like most crossovers don't do this, but the tailgate glass opens separately from the tailgate. So you can lift the whole thing at once, or you can just like pop the glass open and put stuff inside, which I actually think is kind of cool. I wish more board out the back. Yeah. Just let your stuff hang out the back of the car. I just like it for, if you just want to toss something in, you don't have to like, Okay, it's a small thing. I need to put it in the back. And so, yeah, yeah instead of waiting the whole thing to go up, you put the thing in, it's still going up. Now you have to wait to take the whole thing down. It's just like pop the glass, put it in, shut the glass. So driving it is a lot like driving 
like a crossover. It's, it doesn't feel like an off-road vehicle. Like the Bronco feels like you're going off-road. The Bronco Sport feels like you're going to the office. Um, and I guess that's a good thing because not everybody wants to have that really harsh off-road kind of drive to it. Uh, it has a really cute interior. I was the sport, um, I had the outer banks edition, so it has its own little look to it, but it has this, it has still has that sort of rugged interior that it's attractive and it's nicely done, but it feels like it could stand up to a little wear and tear. It's not overly fancy pants. Um, I enjoyed driving this. It was a switch after, like I said, having been in the actual Bronco that we went off-road near our house the weekend before to getting into the Bronco sport. So I had this very direct, like a week in one, a week in the other kind of comparison. Um, and I like the Bronco sport. I think it's, you know, for someone who really likes the Bronco name too, I mean, there's something to the name. People love the Bronco, right? When it was coming back, it was like Bronco, 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 Bronco's back. But maybe you don't need all that. Maybe you don't need quite that much over the top capability. You can still do a heck of a lot in this. It still has, you know, it's still four wheel drive. It does Bronco stuff, but it just doesn't have quite the ruggedness. And I think it's way, way, way more well-mannered on the road. If you have to drive a lot on the highway, you want to get yourself a Bronco Sport unless your off-highway plans are like crazy out of control because it's just so nice to drive on the highway. It's 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 quieter, it handles better, it's just smoother. So it's, I think it's a good, comp it's what most people actually need. Most people don't really need a Bronco, even if they do a little light off-roading, but probably everyone can get a little something out of the fact that they have a Bronco Sport. So I like the Bronco Sport. And it uses a lot fewer $5 gallons of gas. It does use a lot fewer $5, $5. gallon. You fancy guys. I know. What are you up to this week? We, we just crossed five and we're kind of holding right over five. That's crossed. In we're like high sixes right now. Are you really high mid sixes? To high, mid to high sixes. We're 529 for regular here. I paid uh, 631 to drive a, uh, a U-Haul. Oh, God. 631 a gallon. And that's I was like, oh, that's the cheapest one I could find. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, so well, we no, we're not paying that much. But and what you also you won't pay as much for this. The base Bronco Sport is twenty eight five sixty five. The one I had, there's four four trims, I think four altogether. The one that I had, which is the Outer Banks, is thirty four two. So it's still a relatively affordable vehicle. You're not um, you're not gonna go broke trying to put this Bronco in your driveway. So that's another. Assuming you can find one at Sticker. Well, you know, don't get bogged down in the reality of our terrible world today, Sam. <laughs> but yes, if you were to find one, it's sticker. But even so, if you were to find a Bronco, you know, you same thing. Regular Bronco is going to cost more. Bronco Sports going to cost more. Everything's going to cost more. But you know, I, th I think Ford, you know, did a, a really good job with the Bronco Sport. You know, it do you can't take off the doors and the roof and everything like you can with right. the big Bronco. But you know, they they did a lot of thoughtful stuff you know for people that are going to use this for you know not not necessarily you know going down the rubicon trail but you know going down a, a trail to their cabin or uh you know going you know places you know where they're going to do stuff you know with a kayak or a paddleboard or their mountain bikes and you know like one of one of the cool details you know is in the design you know it's got that step roof design and, and they explained the reason why they did that stepped roof is to give enough clearance so that you can store two with the back seats folded down you can store two bikes inside and they have an, ex mm -hmm. an available accessory um bike rack that goes inside uh you take the wheels take the front wheels off and, and stick them inside and you can leave them locked up in there so they're not hanging out the back where they're going to get stolen right 
Yeah, it's it's a good, like I said, it's a good choice for most people because, really, I mean, I know off-roading is huge and people like to do it, but even most people that do, most of the people who off-road aren't doing this hardcore craziness. You need a little bit of ruggedness to do your outdoorsy thing to, for your mountain bikes, for your stuff. If you're going, you know, kayaking or if you're going, you know, for a hike or if you're going camping, that does not require a Ford Bronco to get to that level of outdoor accessibility. You can do that in something that's still rugged, but doesn't have the negatives that come along with that. And the Bronco sport Bronco sport does it. Excellent. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right. Uh, I had uh, two electric pickup trucks. So 2022 is apparently the year of the electric pickup truck. They finally arrived. Um, And uh, neither of them, shockingly, neither of them were Lordstown Endurances. So I I, I, I don't know what I did wrong. Wow, that's Uh, so weird. It's amazing. (laughs) Um, But uh, no, I had had the F-150 Lightning and the Rivian R1T uh, at the same time. Uh, at least for for a few days, uh, so they they overlapped, um, and you know both both of the you know the R one T they st- sort of started deliveries last fall. Um, they started production in September of last year, but really I think most of the first thousand fifteen hundred of them went to Rivian employees. It didn't really go to outside customers very much, or you know maybe a handful did. Um, and they're finally starting to deliver more of them to customers now. Um, and then, you know, Ford uh, in late May started delivering um, the Lightnings to customers as well. Uh, they had a couple hundred deliveries in in uh, May. And, and I suspect when we see the June numbers, you know, that will probably jump to at least a couple of thousand, uh, if not more than that. Um, so these two trucks, you know, it's funny, they you know, they're both four-door crew cab pickup trucks that you know kind of are shaped like what you expect a pickup truck to be shaped like unlike a certain other stainless steel thing that doesn't truly exist um and one (laughs) yes well there's at least there's two i think there's at least two maybe there's there's possibly four it could i mean the other two might not run but there's possibly four i would think there's four details anyway these are shaped like pickup trucks you know so you've got the the front box you know where the traditionally the engine would sit you've got the cab where the driver and, and passengers sit and a bed in the back so it looks like a truck but they are aimed at very different customers they're they're not they're not really direct competitors for each other um, the f-150 is a classic full-size american pickup truck um, you know it's clearly very clearly designed to appeal 
to people who buy F-150s and Silverados and Rams and Tundras and, and the occasional Titan. Um, there, while there will undoubtedly be people that are new to trucks, you know, that might have previously considered some other electric brand, um, you know, I think most of the people that are going to be interested in this are people who would otherwise buy a gas or maybe a diesel engine pickup truck. The Rivian, on the other hand, is smaller. It's a it's a midsize truck. It's 16 inches shorter than the F-150, um, and the height, even though the um, the Rivian has a four-wheel air spring suspension that can lift it up in off-road mode, so you have 15 inches of ground clearance. Even in off-road mode, it's 78.3 inches tall, whereas the cab of the Lightning, which doesn't go up and down, doesn't have air springs, is 78.9 inches. So it's shorter even in off-road mode. And in its normal driving mode, in sport mode, it's only 73 inches tall. So it's five, almost six inches shorter than the, uh, uh, than the Lightning, uh, or lower than the Lightning. Uh, and it's narrower. Um, it's the the Rivian is almost ex actually almost exactly the same dimensions as a Jeep Gladiator, and hmm. I think the Gladiator is really the you know probably the most direct competitive set to the the R1T. Um, that's you know the 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 same customer that's going to be interested in a Gladiator is I think the the one that's going to be interested in the Rivian. Um, and then in the case of the R1S, the SUV, that's going to be targeted at the likes of Grand Cherokee, uh, maybe uh, Range Rover Discovery, something like that. Uh, you know, real off-road capability, but also more premium uh, feeling. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a higher-end uh, customer, you know, a lifestyle customer, as opposed to uh, the more utilitarian customer typical of an F-150. Um, but both have almost the same size battery. The the Ford is 131 kilowatt hours, 135 in the Rivian. Um, they have similar range. Um, the the one that I drove uh, was a launch edition, uh, so that's a quad motor, all wheel drive, uh, with the uh, what the Rivian calls their large pack. That's the 135. That's actually their middle their middle mid size pack. Um, that one is rated at 314 miles of range. The F-150 with the extended range battery is um, 320 miles if you get the XLT or the Lariat with the 20-inch wheels. The Platinum that I drove is uh, with 22-inch wheels is 300 miles of range. Um, in my time driving the two of them, both of them got almost exactly the same uh, efficiency, about 2.1 miles per kilowatt hour. Um, the... Rivian is quicker. Um, it's 835 horsepower and a little over 900 foot-pounds of torque from its four motors, one driving each wheel. Um, the F-150 has only got two motors, 580 horsepower and 775 foot-pounds of torque. Both are ridiculously quick for a pickup truck. <laughs> Uh, you know the the Rivian in particular, you know, almost almost down to three seconds for the uh, uh, for zero to sixty, and just over four seconds for the F one fifty. Both more than quick enough for anything you're ever going to want to do. Um, the Rivian has a significantly smaller bed. Um, it, you know, it's shorter. It's only four and a half foot long bed versus a five and a half foot long bed in the in the Ford, um, and the Ford's bed is also wider. Um, than, than the Rivian's bed. Um, and the front trunk is also smaller in the Rivian. 
Uh, but the Rivian has the added storage of that gear tunnel that goes underneath. Gear the one, tunnel. The, the one so they cool. sent me did not come with the camp kitchen, unfortunately, so I didn't Aww. get to didn't get to test that. The camp out. kitchen is is insane. It's five thousand yeah, dollars. I know. Just go buy it's a, a kitchen little... in your truck, yeah. though. Yeah, it yeah, rolls out a little. little thing. No, Coleman you want thing. the rollouty yeah. thingy. Actually, that's, what I should, that's what I should have done. Is just pull out my my Coleman propane. Shoved it into the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> and you can stand on those little the doors that open. Yeah, oh, you can. You can stand. And on I so stood can, on it. It, yeah. survey, it didn't break. You survey the land. Yeah, um, the uh, the F one. Both of them. Uh, well, the F one fifty comes standard with a full size spare tire, and um, it's the the spare in the F one fifty is in the traditional place you would find it in a pickup truck, which is hanging under the back end of the bed. So you stick your tire iron in there and you crank it down if you, if you need to use the spare the uh the rivian uh spare there's a well underneath the bed floor um not dissimilar to kind of the rear trunk that they have in the in the honda ridgeline uh, but shaped differently so it accommodates uh a spare in there the spare is optional on the rivian it's like an 875 dollars option uh, but you know, if you are actually going to use this as an off-road vehicle, you, you absolutely want to get the spare. You don't want to go off-roading <laughs> without a spare without tire. A spare tire. Uh, and we, um, we blew a tire in the Hummer EV uh, truck drive. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember you. Oh, told did you? That, yeah. yeah, the left tire came, it debeated. Yeah, debeated. So, so un unlike the Hummer, you know, the spare is you know concealed. It's out of the way. It's not consuming the space of your. Of your bed, uh, like the like the like the Hummer does, mm -hmm. uh, but um, the uh, you know and and this is one of the big different another one of the big differences between these two trucks, the the Rivian with its air spring suspension, when you put it in off road mode, it lifts up and gives you up to 15 inches of ground clearance, whereas there's there's no air spring suspension, um, the the ground clearance on the Lightning is only 8.9 inches, which is fine for what most people are going to use yeah. the truck for you know the overhangs are a little longer so the approach and departure angles and the breakover angle on the ford are not as good as the lightning or as the, as the rivian um so if if what you want to do is go off-roading the rivian is your better choice uh i mean serious off-roading if what you want to do is use it for truck stuff the rivian will do most of the truck stuff that most people want to do but the Ford may be a better choice for you, and especially if you're going to use it for work, the the yeah. Ford is probably a better option for you. The um, the, the Rivian R1T is what the the Honda Ridgeline should have been as an EV. That's yeah, that's, absolutely. Like I was driving it around, I was like, oh, this is what Honda should have built. Yeah, but yeah. they didn't. One, and and one other thing that was a little disappointing with the Rivian, you know, and the Ford, the what is what would normally be the grill on the F-150 is attached to the hood. So when you open the 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 hood. It goes up, and you have you know a relatively low, you know comparatively low lift over. I mean, it's not low compared to a you're car. You're gonna jump it. You're gonna throw it over the, the grill. You, can, you, you can, just gotta you get it put, up to the bumper. That's yeah, all you, you can, gotta do. You can put you can put stuff in there a lot easier. You don't have to lift it up over the top to drop it into the the front trunk, uh, as you would with the Rivian, because the Rivian the front fascia is is static. It stays stays where it is. Uh, so that that can be a little bit more annoying. But the Rivian does also have a drain plug in the bottom, just like the the F one fifty does. Um, else? The interiors, F one fifty, the Lightning interior. If you've been in any modern F one fifty, you will, aside from the fifteen and a half inch screen, you will be immediately familiar with it. Everything is in the same place. The the on off switch, 
uh, the, you know, the, the, the start stop button, uh, all the other controls are exactly where they are in any current generation F-150 or any previous generation F-150, except you have the bigger screen. Um, the light, uh, the Rivian has gone more the direction of Tesla with minimalist. Uh, there's no buttons, no, no switches, um, except for the, uh, the two stocks on the steering column. Uh, and then the, the roller and rocker switches on the steering wheel spokes, which are multifunction, uh, which what they do depends on what mode you're in, which I cr frankly find a little annoying because you're never quite sure exactly what they're going to do. I'm with <laughs> you. That always messes me up. I'm like, wait, and, what and is they're it doing right now? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, they so, don't. They don't like the Jaguar or the JLRs. Like they, it changed. Like a uh, in the Land Rover, it would change to a different thing. Or yeah, the it'll actually show you a different icon. On yeah, there. show you a different icon. It doesn't do that in the Rivian. Yeah, the, so there, there's no labeling in the Rivian. Um, the screen, the big, the big center screen is really. It's nice. It's bright, easy to read. Um, it was a a little. Uh, the interface was a little wonky sometimes. Most of the time it was fine, but every once in a while it would lag, especially when you load, switch to navigation mode and it's loading up the maps. That was the probably the biggest uh, issue I had there. Uh, but it does have the uh, a, another display in front of the driver for instruments. Using the Driver Plus uh, ADAS system, um, the Rivian has 11 cameras on the outside plus five radars, uh, so the same number of radars as the Ford, um, but it's got 11 more cameras on the outside. Um, but it doesn't currently support hands-free driving mode. And even with the hands-on mode, I could, f you know, drive using that on the highway, I could feel it wandering more within the lane. It doesn't do as really? good a job staying in the center of the lane as the Ford did. And even the Ford, frankly, doesn't do it quite as well as uh, GM does. Uh, but the Ford, you know, it, the Ford, you can do hands-free. Uh, you know, works, uh, mostly stays pretty close to the center of the lane. The, the Rivian definitely felt like it was wandering a lot more and, and sometimes on some curves, hmm. you know, would start to drift out of the curve. And so you'd have to crank in a little more steering. Uh, so Rivian's definitely got more work to do on their, their ADAS stuff. Um, the Rivian is not quite as quiet, uh, highway driving, uh, as the Ford, the Ford, Ford was amazingly quiet for, for an F-150. Very little wind noise, very little road noise coming through. You know, on the, on the Rivian, you've got all-terrain tires, so those are obviously going to be louder. Uh, so there was more, more noise coming through. Um, and um, uh, what else? Uh, I mean, overall, they're both, both fantastic trucks, you know, to, for their own purposes. Um, pricing, you know, the Ford, Starts at $40,000 for the standard range version, but they're all four-wheel drive. They're all dual motor. Um, so the standard range Pro starts at forty grand. The, uh, the, the uh, Platinum that I was driving was uh, like 93 and change, including delivery. Um, you know, and that's loaded. That's got all the, all the stuff you're ever going to want on there. Um, and... Apparently, according to customer reports and confirmed by Ford, um, if you if you buy um, a Lightning, you get uh, they include a uh, CCS to Tesla adapter on there. So if you mm. spot some spot a Tesla driver that's out of juice, uh, you can stop off and, and give them a hand. I actually did plug in 
the uh, the Rivian into the. Oh my gosh! The, I thought you were going to say you actually charged <laughs> up a Tesla. I was like, what? I did not yeah. find a Tesla to charge, but I I did use did use the Rivian and, and charged it up. You know, just to see. Yes, it does work. Um, I didn't have uh, the the 240 volt outlet that's in the Ford is not the standard. It's not a NEMA 1450, um, which you know you just plug it in. It's just got the straight slots. It's a different one that they use on a lot of high um, uh, high power tools. Um, where you put it in, you have to turn, um, plug it in, and then turn it to lock. Uh, and I didn't have the right adapter for that to to charge the uh, the Rivian at 240 volts. Um, so I was just charging it from one of the 120 volt outlets. Uh, but it was cranking along at about uh, 1.5, 1.6 kilowatts. Um, so that you know that worked out well. Um, so I was daisy chained from my 9.6 kilowatt charger plugged into the the Ford, which was then plugged in using the Rivian power cable uh, charged plugged into that. Um, I tried the um, DC fast charge with both of them. Um, the the Ford you know went right up to 150 kilowatts. Uh, I didn't do a full charge on that, um, uh, but I just wanted to see what kind of speed I could get out of it. Plugged into a 350 kilowatt charger. It charged at 150 kilowatts, uh, actually slightly over, closer to 160. Um, unfortunately, when I went back with the Rivian, the 350 kilowatt chargers uh, near me were both out of order. Uh, mm. So I had to plug oh, wow. plug into a, one, a 150 and uh, it would, uh, it charged about 144. Um, and the, but uh, on a 350 kilowatt charger, the Rivian should be able to charge at least part of the way at up to 200 kilowatts. But overall, they're going to be pretty similar the, the rivian might charge a little bit faster um the rivian again with its extra ground clearance and its off-road capability can ford through up to 42 almost 43 inches of water um the uh the ford uh, is about 24 inches of water um we drove we drove the the lightning you know on an off-road trail during the the launch program you know it's not you know not a really hardcore trail but you know it was fairly fairly capable um, you know, if you're going to do that, you probably want to get an XLT or Lariat, not the Platinum. Uh, you know, so get the 20 the inch wheels and, you know, the, the tires on there are going to be a little more capable off road than the, you know, the, the really strictly on road tires on the Platinum. Um, and of course, you know, you don't want to scratch up your, your $90,000 Platinum <laughs> anyway. Uh, what else? Um, I think that's most of it. Later when we get to the Q&A, we got a bunch of questions that people submitted on Twitter. Uh, and I'll answer some of those, but, um, oh, uh, the pricing, the other thing, the, the Rivian pricing, when the launch editions of the R1T were sold, um, it had a $73,000 price tag. Um, since then, uh, about a month and a half ago, um, Rivian realized that, uh, they were, their parts were costing them way more than they anticipated. Uh, they raised the price on the R1T and the R1S by about $12,000, uh, so now um, the the launch editions are, are sold out. They're gone. Uh, and speaking of which, I have I've actually seen three of them in the past week on the road um, here around around the Detroit area. Um, the Adventure, which is the the regular one, now starts at seventy three thousand dollars. But that's no longer with the four motor configuration and the large pack. That's with a dual motor and the standard range battery pack, which is only two hundred and sixty miles of range. Um, if you want the, um, the large battery, uh, that's going to cost you an extra 16 or an extra $6,000. If you want the max battery pack, which isn't yet available, that's coming later this year. 
uh, for a 400 mile range. That's going to be an extra 16 grand. Um, the uh, reinforced underbody shields, another two grand. The front bumper tow hooks are another two grand. Um, Jeez. And the um, the the four motor. Uh, I don't see what the pricing on that. I think the four motor. Uh, if you want to go, this, the dual motor is only a mere 600 horsepower. Um, the four motor, I think, is another um, another six grand um, on top of that uh, to get the 800 horsepower. And then the Explorer, which is the base version, also dual motor, standard range, uh, starts at 67.5. So that uh, that is the the pricing, and that's the the Rivian versus the the Lightning. Dun dun. Dun. Dun, dun, dun. All right. That's Rivian Lightning. That's it. That's it. The Rivian versus Lightning. Yeah. <laughs> more, more in the Q and A later. All right. Um, so Nicole. Yeah. You had a chance uh, recently to drive yet another Bronco. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I'm driving one tomorrow too. So really, it's just it's all Bronco <laughs> all the time until the end of time. Hyundai's now in the past. We're now about the you? four Bronco. <laughs> so this one though, where I went from. Uh, the Bronco, regular Bronco, down to the Bronco Sport. I'm now going up in the other direction, past the regular Bronco to the Bronco Raptor. <laughs> so the Bronco Raptor, Raptor, like that means fast, powerful performance, go racing through the desert like a maniac. And they did that to the Bronco. And it's great. It's great. I loved it. So they had us out in uh, Palm Springs where it was roughly 112 degrees and I felt like my face was going to melt off. It was so hot. And they took us out into the desert and they gave us a chance to really like sometimes these off-road drive programs don't really give you much of a taste of off-roading. This one, we had a very brief on-road section when we first arrived on day one, where we went immediately out, took it on a twisting uh, road, you know, up, you know, through some canyony kind of stuff up high and then down, back down, and then on some highway, just actual highway. And cars like this, where they're big and beefy and off-roady, sometimes are just miserable to drive on roads like that, especially where there's these sort of swooping turns because they feel very rolly. And those off-road tires do not like to be driven that way on the pavement. This was incredibly nice and comfortable and easy to drive on those roads. So I was very impressed with its on-roading, which really isn't what you're buying the Bronco Raptor for, but at some point you are going to have to come off the dirt and go to work. When you do, you'll still be able to drive this and you won't be miserable driving this for a long stretch on the highway. Day two was entirely about taking this into that desert, that 112 degree, why do people live there desert? So this has a three liter V6 with 418 horsepower, 440 pound-feet of torque. It's got a 10-speed automatic transmission. Just think about those numbers for a second. It's powerful. It's not like it's a wimpy Well, it's only vehicle. half as powerful as the Rivian. I know. But, yes, it is only a But I think that this could kick the Rivian's butt off-road. Just going to say that. I think that this would go further, faster, harder, stronger than the Rivian. I, it's, I feel like you could attempt to beat the ever-living leap out of this thing, and it's like, meh give me something better. <laughs> give it your best shot. You know, it's just really, and it starts at $68,500. So yes, pricey, outrageous. Not really for it's still a vehicle. cheaper than the Rivian. Exactly. The base right. Rivian. And it's, and this is like a, a serious off-road vehicle that you're getting unbelievable capability with this. It can ford 37 inches of water. It has 13.1 inches at a minimum of ground clearance. Just as a comparison, the regular four-door Bronco 
has 8.3 inches. So it's a, it's a big difference between from Bronco to Bronco Raptor. Um, the, the tires, 37 inch tires that are just, they're gigantic. They're huge. And it's, it helps improve the approach and departure angles. So again, if you're that hardcore person and you're hardcore off or that's exactly what you want. It still has that goat modes that what is it goes over any type of terrain. I think uh, I got that right. Goat. Goes, goes over, over any, terrain, any, t- yeah. any train, which has like seven different drive modes. There's a four high, a four low. It has that trail turn assist, which I think is just a really cool feature that Ford has where it's, it lets you, it feels like you're just pivoting on your, like, say you have a really tight turn and you don't want to just turn and go around it. You almost need to pivot. This kind of lets you do that. That's kind of like that's exactly what it does. It's, yeah. It lets you pivot around. Now, granted, if you're like in the dirt and the muck and rocks, you're pivoting, but you're sliding and slipping a little, you know, it's not like this perfect little pivot, but it does let you pivot around things. It's, I feel like it's a feature very, very, very few people will use, even hardcore off-road people, because it's kind of like, oh, I shouldn't have been here. I've gotten myself into something that I cannot get out of. Wait, trail turn assist. So for those moments when you really get in over your head, <laughs> this will save you. Um, so it's so those are the sort of the details on it, driving it. So we took it. It was an all-day drive. We were up where the sun was not entirely up yet. They took us off out to the desert. They had us put on what looked like like military like combat helmets. I'm still at a loss. I don't know if you've seen the pictures. They weren't right helmets you put on a racetrack. They were like little half helmets you always see like our military guys wearing. Mm-hmm. And they were even like the army brownish desert greenish kind of thing. That's what we had to wear. We're not even driving at speed. We're just like driving. I'm like, this is this is the strangest thing. Like, where exactly are you taking us for that I need this helmet? Like, what are you doing to me? Um, So we wore those and this was like a lead follow thing where they had us driving through terrain that genuinely was challenging. There were, it wasn't a high speed portion. It was more like a handling going through uh, softer dirt, almost kind of silty sand in some places, packed dirt, loose rocks. And it's Johnson Valley where the rocks are all trying to kill you. Like they're all shaped with little pointy, pointy bits. Nothing's rounded. Kind of like the moon. Yeah, it's like the moon, only Waiters I don't need the suit. The yeah, I don't need the yeah. suit with the backpack. And, so, and, it, and it wasn't in a simulator. It was and it wasn't in a simulator. It was actual. So had I gone down into the crater and not been able to handle it, it would have gone really poorly for me. <laughs> but there were no craters, so I got off easy. Uh, so we did this drive. There were some spots where we required spotters. We had to kind of slow down because either it wasn't necessarily narrow, but it was just the way that the rocks are placed. You've got to you make sure your tires on this rock and the other tires on that rock, and you're turning sharply here and turning back. So they had spotters um with the weirdest spotting you know how normally guys they they're pointing at you to spot and they've kind of got their hands over their head and they're tilting their hands like this left right motion really widely so that you can see them these guys have what look like a paint stick <laughs> with like neon orange paint and they're waving the little paint stick at you i don't I, I think i want hands i don't like the paint stick i was like i don't what you stop waving which way do you want me to go just point in that direction solidly and i'll go that way um so they had some some tight spots to get through and some spots where it genuinely was even with them spotting and people doing exactly what they're supposed to do. You know, a rock pivots ever so slightly under your wheels. Suddenly your car has moved an inch. Now you have to go backwards because now that inch is what you needed to get around those rocks. So there are a few moments where people had to, you know, go back just a little bit and go back forward. So we did that on one section of a course that was really good. And it handled, it did everything you would expect a Bronco to do. There was, you had a sense of the only thing that's going to screw this up is me. Uh, My skills are going to not live up to what this car can actually do. So takes you through everything. 
we get through this sort of lead follow section of things. And then we have a couple of other little things that we can do. One of them is we were crawling over rocks and I guess we were where the king of the hammers is. And there's just rocks. You guys, it doesn't look like any vehicle should be there. Just rocks. It's the kind of thing you would come across and go, well, now we turn back. How do we go? And the Ford folks are like up. <laughs> so we crawl through these rocks and this was definitely this wasn't so much a lead follow. There were only a few vehicles because I think they took off. I want to say like they took something off like the bumper or something like they there because you know how the bumper caps you can sort of take off to make your bumpers a little. I think they removed those. There's very there was no like real vehicle modifications, just like don't break stuff modifications kind of thing, like like appearance stuff. So they sent us up this and it was, it was serious. Like you were literally barely moving as you're crawling up these rocks. There was no portion of this section where you were not watching. You were watching guy A. When guy A was done pointing, he's like, there's your next guy. Start watching him. There was never a moment where you weren't following someone. Yeah, no never relaxing. <laughs> there's no chillaxing. You were always following a man with a paint stick with a bright orange paint on the end of it. You were always following one of those guys. Um, and it was, it was intense, but really cool because you, you truly see like, okay, I, I could not have done that without my own, uh, on my own. I definitely needed a spotter. I think 99% of us would need a spotter to get through that, but it did it. It did it. And it never, you always, again, had a sense this, this vehicle can totally do this without a shadow of a doubt, this vehicle can do this. It's going to come down to me giving it the right amount of throttle, giving it the steering in the right direction and following what the spotters are saying to me. So really not a surprise, but just like, yep, it does exactly what a Bronco should do. Then they took us to the more, what I think of, you kind of want to get a Raptor for, you want to drive fast, you want to drive fast, fast, fast in the sand, fasty, fast, fast. And we did that. <laughs> they took us on a lap that was like, at first they took us on a, like, a, you know, a, a, just very slow, like so slow. It's like, we're never going to get through this first lap. And it just to kind of show us where they had the course marked out, marked out in a couple of spots where they had little signs, kind of like a slowdown. There was like a little wash or a dip coming that they're like, you know, we appreciate you're going fast, but y'all have different skills here and there's a little dip. And if you're going too fast, you are going to, you're going to do some damage to yourself, not so much the truck or the, mm -hmm. the Bronco. So they let us do that once following them. And then we did it once and they had a really large gap between us. So it was truly the speed that you can take it. Now they didn't want us going, you know, 9 million miles an hour, because again, everybody doesn't have that skill level and they don't, we're not, we're not all professional race car drivers here, but you could take it pretty fast and it was fun. And even in the spots where there was, most of it was like sort of, uh, it was either packed sand or they were just like sort of softer sand, but there were a couple spots where it got kind of silty. So you really, that's something where your tiles just go right into that stuff. Mm -hmm. It went through no problem, even hitting some of the spots where it was a little bit more, not so much a jump, but you were getting, it was a little bit more like a, a something in the road that would really cause your wheels to all sort of come up at once. It handled beautifully. Like you never had a sense that you, you lost could totally control. drive it on the moon is what you're telling us. You could drive it really for put this on the moon. Um, I'd volunteer for that mission. <laughs> Who wants to go to the moon and drive a Raptor with me? Um, so it was. Except you'd have to get rid of the pneumatic tires. Well, yeah, you got to get rid of a lot of stuff, actually. Okay. But it still sounds like fun. You guys in your details, you ruin everything. Um, yeah. So yeah. we did this really fast lap. It's then been they my had role in life. <laughs> then we did a, a section where they had, it was a sort of like, think like a, um, a motocross, autocross thing where you had a section where they just like floor it and then hit the brakes and come to a stop to see how well it stopped when it was just like going flat out. 
you had one that was just kind of like a slalom through cones that were relatively tight to see how it would handle that. And then that was more of one more, was more swooping turns again that you were following. So you could get a sense of sort of three different situations that you might encounter when you're driving off-road and how does it handle um, really well. In fact, the stopping, not only is the stopping distance better than you would think on dirt where your stopping distance isn't as great because you can slide a little bit more, but also just in terms of how heavy, you know, it's not a, a light on its feet vehicle and you jam the brakes on, it doesn't nosedive as much as you would expect. Sometimes you hit the brakes and like you literally feel like your whole body goes forward. You see the hood go down. You're like, ah, I mean, you do get a sense of that. You're slamming on the brakes, but it was much more controlled than you would think. And then going through little slums and everything, it was, it was wonderful. And it was hot and dusty. And I've never felt so bad for the people outside because we were wave one and they didn't, I think they moved where they were standing for wave two because where they told us like, okay, floor it. And everybody, you know, dust goes, they're right there. Uh. <laughs> and I'm like, really? Cause you guys, he's like, don't worry about it. We're going to look like the desert by the end of the day. And seriously, I feel like you could have touched their faces and just like wiped sand <laughs> off of them. The guys were so sandy. Um, so that was, that was our drive. And they put us for that part of things. They put us, you know, in a real helmet, like the helmet you wear in a race track with a Hans device to make sure that we weren't going to, you know, snap necks or hurt anything. If, if, you know, if he came down too hard and there was at the high speed thing, there was one little spot at the end, they had you stop, they waited, and then you could get it up to about, I think it was about 65, maybe 70 miles an hour. And when you hit that speed at the right spot, you got some air and you came down. So you genuinely got all four wheels off the ground, came back down again, and it did exactly what you want a vehicle like that to do. You know, you've got all four wheels off and you feel it come back down, but you don't have that Dukes of Hazard, like, oh, good God. And then come down and feel like everything in the entire car feel is like falling it's gonna apart. Snap in half. <laughs> right. It felt like it was like your four wheels are in the air. And whew. yeah, so that was also impressive because if you're driving fast in the desert, you are on occasion going to do that. So Bronco Raptor ridiculously fun, uh, has this unbelievably beefy look to it. Uh, just this huge behemoth of a vehicle. I don't much like, like the F-150 Raptor. I don't know who needs this, but I understand every human on the planet wanting it. I this. feel like the, of all the Raptors, the Bronco Raptor is the, the one that deserves to be a Raptor. Why is that? Why does the Bronco deserve it? And the F-150 doesn't. Like the F-150, someone, I mean, you're less likely to actually do anything. The people at the F-150 Raptor are just driving up and on the freeway near my house too quickly. Mm. The Bronco Raptor feels like that's an off-road, like, monster. Yes. You know what? Let's make it crazy. There you go. Yeah. Okay. When you have, like, a, we have a purpose-built off-road monster, you're like, yes. yeah, let's go crazy. Let's the do F-150, The F-150 at the very bottom of it is a really great truck for a contractor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they just keep adding things onto a, a, you know, a, a, yeah. So that's, yeah. yeah. So that was the Bronco Raptor. I thought it was uh, fantastic. I mean, if you if that's your thing, also they have this one color paint because I'm always about how things look. It's weirdest name. It's called Eruption Green. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Like it makes me think. It's like I'm a sorry. pimple. Well, it makes me think of the um, what's the movie where the girl's head spins around? Um, Exorcist. Exorcist. That's it. And like the green thing. Like I'm like eruption green. I don't. What is <laughs> that? that? Eruption. I don't get it. So, but hey, guys, horrible name. Unbelievably beautiful color. <laughs> it, it is a great color. <laughs> it's a really great color. So love the color, hate the name. Um, I, and, I, I I actually saw a Raptor, a Bronco Raptor on uh, 94 the other day coming back from Detroit. Oh, you uh, did. But it, unfortunately, it wasn't in eruption green. It was in. Uh, it, it was area fifty-one, which is the is sort that... of bluish gray. Okay. Yeah. Green, a slight hint of green there. Yes. But, you know, the, the alien color. Yes. Um, 
Uh, but yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, this this thing it's ten inches wider than a standard Bronco. It's huge. Yeah, those, it's those huge, flares are, are amazing. The flares are, and you know, I saw, there was one guy. He's like, oh, look at that. And I thought he was complaining about the tires. Like when he sent me the image on, like he clipped one of my images and went really in close. And like the tires are low because they aired out. That's not actually or aired down. That's not a mistake. He's like, no, no, no. It's a fender flares. I'm like, ah, oh, come on. It's supposed to look that way. What do you want? Something delicate that looks like a Mercedes? It's a, it's a Bronco Raptor. It's supposed to look that way. <laughs> if you want, if you want that delicate look, go buy a G wagon. Yeah, there you go. Go buy a G wagon guy on Twitter. <laughs> uh, but no, no two door Raptor though, right? Just the no, four door. It is a, it's a four door only. It is exclusively a four door. Yeah. So, but I, after having a two door Bronco, I, I can't like the regular Bronco. I, I'm a four door fan in this particular vehicle. I felt like the two door was really hard to get in and out of the back. And if you're taking this in the desert and racing, you're that hardcore, you're going to have stuff. And I feel like being able to access access stuff more easily by just opening your back doors is going to be so much easier than the two door variant. So. And I'm, I'm sure there will be, you know, some people that that really want the absolute minimum breakover height that will get a two door Bronco and get all the the Raptor parts and and yes. build their own two door Bronco Raptor. They will try and Raptorize yeah. it. Raptorize. Yeah. Some, I mean, a word. Someone will do Raptorize. that. Yeah. Somebody will, and we'll see some picture of it, and we'll look at it and go, that was stupid, but that's also kind of amazing. Good on you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Um, oh, uh, Cadillac Celestic. Um, Celestic. What a weird name. Were, 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 you, were you at the <laughs> EV Day thing in 2020, Nicole? I at, don't. At the design dome, the GM design I dome? don't believe I did that. No, I'm going to okay. say no. 2020 okay. is a long time ago, Sam. I think not. Okay. 100 well, years ago. They, they, <laughs> they, they showed us, you know, a clay model of the of the Celestic back then. Um, and they're, they're slowly starting to tease out stuff. I think, you know, we're supposed to see it. I think it might be like mid-July. They're supposed to show it in its entirety. Um, so this is going to be Cadillac's new flagship electric sedan. Um and uh, it's it's going to be stupid expensive, like you know I think something on the order of about two hundred and fifty thousand um, dollars. So it'll be the most Fancy. expensive GM production vehicle ever. Um, and they're they're all going to be hand built, uh, custom built for for customers. And they're not even going to be building it in one of their regular assembly plants. They've set up a special facility at the GM Tech Center to build this, which which tells you you know that uh, <laughs> yeah they're not actually planning on building very many of these. Um, they'll they'll be special when they do show up. I think it's gonna look dope. Uh, dope. Yeah, the, the Cadillac people have been doing some really great stuff with uh, the sedans. So yeah, is all the real picture we have is like a front fender? Uh, yeah, there's a couple of other teaser images, that, you know, just showing little, little details. I mean, it's a, a cool fender. Yeah, that's all I, I lug, got to judge. You know, the, Here's a lug nut. Here's a piece of stitching. I mean, yeah. If, if you if you can if you can <laughs> visualize this in your mind, you know, yes. big four door sedan. Um, long hood, even though there's no, you know, big engine under there. I don't know if they'll actually have a front trunk or not. Uh, but then the, the back end, the, the C pillars, um, very similar to the look on the Lyric, the, the SUV. So the, these kind of big, um, pillar, big wide pillars with the sort of concave cutout there that you see on the Lyric. Okay. Um, you know, on but you know, obviously much lower. You know, on a on a you know, sort of a sedan profile. It's it's a sharp looking vehicle. Um, I, I think uh, it's going going to be very interesting to see the reaction to it when it arrives. 
Um, and, and of course, you know, the lyric will, all three of us will be driving at, uh, this coming week. And yeah. We'll oh yeah. That is that this soon. week. Yeah. Ooh, I should pack yeah. or something. Yeah, I'm, I'm flying out tomorrow morning. In fact, I, uh, I before I get to the lyric, I have another Bronco drive because what? you know, Oh, Jeez. is this one for the, um, uh, what is it? The Everglades. Everglades. Yeah. They got tickets to swamp. Uh, they reached out to me the other day to get my shoe size for my waiters. Oh, okay. Excellent. Not that I'm a little nervous or anything, Luck. but okay then. <laughs> like with that. I'm sure, I'm sure, uh, Florida and mid at the end of June. No, it's not even um, Florida. We're going to Detroit. Yeah. We're going, yeah. we're, we're going up to Drummond Island in the UP because wait, wait, think wait, about wait. it. It's oh, swampy the Everglades. Gross. Never mind. Yeah. It's it's so swampy and gross, but no alligators. That's, That's my true. theory. Yes, like no, I okay. could. Right. My will, chances of being something's want, dinner. Want, you will want the uh, the waiters for the le- to avoid the leeches. Oh, Sam, don't freak me out, leeches. man. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you. I'm, I quit <laughs> now. I'm gone. <laughs> Table flip. <laughs> hey, you picked this job. I know. I know. I said yes. I said I'd do it. The, oh, the, the yeah. leeches, would, the leeches would be there whether I told you about it or not. Ooh, yuck. I'm gonna be so afraid to touch anything Lord. now. I'm gonna have those waiters pulled up like as far up my body as humanly possible <laughs> to avoid touching anything. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, uh, this week, uh, last let's see, last June, uh, almost a year ago, um, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration issued an order to all automakers and developers of automated driving systems to start submitting data about any crashes that happened while their systems were active. And um, this week, they finally released at least some of the first batch of data that they collected over the first 11 months of this this program. Uh, and um, there was uh, just sh- was like 390-some crashes that occurred. Um, with with these vehicles, with level two and above uh, systems, um, out of that, two hundred and seventy three came from one company. I bet, I bet you can't guess who it was. Uh, Saab. Yes, mm, that was my you, guess you too, it. Robbie. Oh, Saab, why? <laughs> well, you know they haven't done any updates since twenty ten. You know, so the software needs some. No. Yeah, I think it's... <laughs> uh, no, it was it was Tesla. Um, you know, with, with autopilot, um, one of, you know, I, I don't know if either of you, you know, took any time to, to actually look through the, the data, uh, but they had, you know, a lot of, a lot of information that they collected, you know, uh, such as, um, you know, what system was on there, uh, you know, where, you know, where there was damage on the vehicle and there were descriptions for the crashes, but for some reason that I think is bogus, um, the uh, NHTSA allowed manufacturers to tag certain information um, as company business uh, or co- uh, confidential business information. And, uh, you know, some stuff that, you know, that they want to keep confidential, like which version of software, I'm fine with that. That's not a big deal. But the descriptions of the crashes, you know, what actually happened, most manufacturers put that stuff in there, no problem at all. Tesla, all 273 crashes involving Tesla vehicles, it, the descriptions were mar- were redacted. So we couldn't see what actually mm-hmm. happened in any mm-hmm. of these incidents. NHTSA has the data, but they didn't release it publicly. Oh, but the public doesn't. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's BS. Oh, I, cool. I think we should, see, we should get to see that. Because, you know, 
strangely it's uh, you're, especially if you're trained when you're when you're when you uh, release beta onto the public the public should know like what that beta is doing to the yeah, public roads absolutely um you know and the second highest number of crashes strangely enough were from honda who really i would argue honda? Doesn't, doesn't even have a level two system you know, well they what, have a level two system not, in a way that really because in the way that you just you know well we can call it level two yeah but but they don't even really market it as such you know like a level two yeah. system would be a system that where there's one common control system that is controlling steering braking and acceleration yeah so one set of software is doing that honda doesn't do that honda has adaptive cruise control and lane keeping assist on their vehicles but they're separate systems. They they don't really coordinate with each other. And yeah, but the the, the yeah. end of the day, that's still for the average person. I mean, when you're when you're when you when you when you try to drill down to like, well, how the software is working, that doesn't matter to the average person. That's true. If it's, it's five true. different pieces of software or two, right? It's still you know you still have to say level two because it does the thing that the SAE's level two says. Yeah. At, at any rate, there were uh, ninety crashes involving various Honda vehicles. However, I looked through. I read through the descriptions of all of them. None of them actually had anything to do with even because what, what NHTSA was looking for was any crashes where the system was active up to up to 30 seconds prior to impact. And okay. so reading through the descriptions of all the Honda crashes, it was all, you know, car was um, struck by uh, another vehicle that ran a stop sign. You know, struck oh, so. OK, so. Not not one of the Honda crashes was actually related to the fact that adaptive cruise control and lane keeping assist was turned on. on. But they would just yeah. happen to be on yes. while there, it, was, a, while so there was a collision. Right. It wasn't something that really was the system's fault. Okay. Yeah. Right. It's like when all the Waymos kept, people kept back it, running into the back of the Waymo. Exactly. And they had a big <laughs> article and it's like, the Waymo didn't do anything wrong. Someone just right. ran into the back of it like they did, like cars do all there. the time. Yeah, right. All right. Okay. Well, and you know the the Waymo vehicle, the Waymo crashes. I think there was about, um, was a, I think it was uh, close to a hundred involving Waymo vehicles, and some of those were redacted. The ones that weren't redacted were the ones where you know vehicle ran into the back of the Waymo. You know, another vehicle ran into the back of the Waymo. So the what I want to see is the ones that they redacted, because those are the those are probably the ones where you know the we something interesting something. happened. Yeah. yeah, something worth going. What went what went wrong here? Yeah. yeah. So, hopefully, in the future, we'll be getting more of that data. It's you know I think this is an interesting first start, and I'm glad to see that they're finally collecting this data. At least they're doing something. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, at least at least regulators now are getting some information about how these systems are actually working or in some cases not functioning. Um, you know, there were also there were two crashes involving Cadillacs with uh, Super Cruise. Um, both of those, again, not really the fault of the system. One, um, let's see, the the driver um, lift lifted up his leg for some reason, hit the steering wheel and caused the system to disengage and it ran sideways into the the median on the highway right. so it's still and, totally like a driver error yeah it's a driver <laughs> error thing and I, I, the other one was something something else where the, the driver uh, oh it was a deer there was a deer on the road and the driver slammed on the brakes which disengaged the system um you know and he hit hit the deer um that, that ran out and you know, so the system had been active during 30 seconds prior to the impact with the deer. So it counts. But, yeah, so it counts. Yeah. 
but that's, no, yeah. yeah, no, 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 uh, no, no real accidents caused by Super Cruise itself, really. Yeah. I like Super Cruise too. That's my favorite of the bunch. Yep. All right. Um, Sony and Honda announced this week that they've <laughs> finalized their, uh, their joint venture agreement. Uh, I'm just happy that <laughs> Sony's doing something because Sony! it's just like press. It's like the last two or three years of them, like what we're thinking about doing. Well, now we're going to investigate doing. Now we're going to think about investigate doing. It's like having a meeting to have a meeting about a thing they need to do. That's what Sony's like whole thing is, but all the way up to this. So finally. Finally, and then I think there was one like before this where Sony and Honda, like, hey, we're thinking about doing a thing. Yeah, like, well, they, they did a, just, a memorandum of understanding oh, that they were going to investigate oh, it. Maybe. Yeah, now, just, now it's official. Now it's official. Officially, Thank, officially official. Thank God. <laughs> we, but, hey, you know what? We actually are doing something. But the question is does Sony really need to get into the car business? Sure, they do. Well, why not? If Samsung, why the heck it, not? You see Samsung, you see LG, and they're just like, oh man, those are big electronics well, companies. We should be, but they're but they're suppliers. This. You know, they supply stuff to the auto industry. Yeah, they're not. Maybe this is where manu- Sony wants to jump in. This is their yeah. chance. They got to start somewhere. Yeah, you got to start with a company who made an awesome car that it won't sell in the United States. On the E. So the, yeah, so the joint venture is supposed to start production of vehicles in 2025 um we'll Whew. see what year is it now 2022 yeah honda still has a deal with uh gm yep those so. those are coming in 24 the honda prologue so. and and as yet to be named acura electric crossover yeah well okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah well okay sure fine okay if you say so whatevs I just, I just, I just want just bring the Honda E over. Just change the battery. The battery technology is better. You probably, probably get like one fifty out of it. Drop it in my front yard. I'll give you all the money I have. <laughs> wow. Okay, there. Oh, it's not a lot. Okay. <laughs> a reminder to everyone listening. I'm a, writer. a small car, so it should be cheap, right? Yeah. yeah. It's not a large pile of money, people, but it's it will a be a small pile, pile of money. money. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm, the, uh... I'm saving the ultra. The the I just found the ultra soft tissues that come with when I flew on Delta a while back. I'm like, oh, I should save these in case I need to blow my nose. So I'm not exactly swimming in cash. <laughs> that pile of money, not large. No. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. I'm, I'm sure you've heard the old line about how do you make a small fortune in racing? You start with a large fortune. Large fortune. Yeah. 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 I think the same thing is largely true of being an auto journalist. Yes. How do you? <laughs> I warned my wife. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be a writer. I'm not going to make a lot of money. She's like, yeah, it's fine. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of which, uh, let's, let's jump into our Q&A. Um, let's see. Uh, Adam J. asked, uh, you often talk about cars that you have for an entire week to test and about their fuel economy. So I was wondering who foots the bill for all that gas. I certainly hope Ford was footing the bill for the Navigator Sim recently tested. Well, they, they arrive with a full tank of gas. So you got so- that. You get a full tank of gas and you arrive. If you don't blow through the whole full tank of gas, then thanks, Ford, for filling it up. If you do go through the full tank of gas, then you fill it up with however much gas you need. So it does come full, but you're responsible for filling it up if you have a longer drive that requires additional fill-ups. Yeah, yeah the, the general rule of thumb, I think, for, for most people is, and, and 
not everyone lives up to this, but you know, the rule of thumb is, you know, give it back with at least half a tank of gas in it. Right. Yeah. I don't, yeah, so. I'm, I'm not going to give someone, <laughs> here's the car back with a nothing, no gas <laughs> it's on, in it. It's on empty. Gas station's just down the road over here. Good luck. Exactly. Good hopefully, luck. Hopefully you got enough fumes to get you there. Yeah. No. It's the same thing with the EVs. Uh, yeah. I, I always try to make sure right. they have like at least a hundred miles of, of range. Cause I'm about 20 miles from the, where they need to, where they take the cars back. But if they're taking that vehicle to another place, that's further out or whatever. I want them. Yeah. I give them like a hundred miles of range at least. Right. Um, before they pick up the car. Yeah. I, I usually try to give it back, you know, with uh, almost at least a full charge or, or close to it, you know, depending yeah. on how much time I have between when I last drove it and when they're picking it up. Um, and you know, the, the electricity is a lot cheaper. So, you know, that's, Oh yeah. Charging I, the car is like nothing. Compared yeah, to right. getting gas. I can do that at home. I don't have to take it to a gas station. <laughs> right. And it is you no know, effort. for, you know, for, for some stuff, like for my day job, you know, if I'm driving the car to go to a meeting or, or some event for my day job, uh, then, you know, in that case, you know, I'm, <clears throat> I'm getting reimbursed by my employer for that fuel. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not a big deal to, uh, to put gas in there. Brag. <laughs> I know. Whatever, Robbie, like he can just stop now. <laughs> yeah. We just pay for it. Uh, all right. Um, the, the rest of the questions we have are all related to the, the electric trucks. Um, so we'll try and go through these relatively quickly. Um, so uh, Adam Jordison asked, uh, please pull stuff with it and find places to charge. I want one of these so bad, but my fear is charging with a trailer attached. Also, what does the back seat look like with three adults? How is the spacing, uh, spacing and comfort? Uh, to be honest, I've been waiting for a solid three-row family mover that is electric or a good PHEV to replace our van. Um, not interested in making a design statement, and this truck is the closest thing in production right now. Well, it, I'll answer the second part of that first. Um, go buy a Chrysler Pacifica hybrid, um, mm -hmm. plug-in hybrid. Yeah. You know, solid yep. three-row. Three yeah, rows, not, lots of room. Not, not a design yeah. statement, not sexy, but lots of room. Yeah. You know, 32, 33 miles of electric range. And even then, when you're running as a hybrid, it's still pretty fuel efficient. And for a family, I mean, it has all the family stuff, tons of room, good price. You know, Minivans many are the best family haulers. It's it's a great, if you've got a family you're just looking for PHEV, there's your answer right there, Pacifica. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I have a, my band is playing a show up uh, over, what, what the hell is it? Independence Day weekend. And we're taking our dogs, plus we're taking the drum set and we're taking, you know what I'm renting? Minivan. There yep. you go. Oh, there you go. I always just Perfect. get a minivan. Um, as for the back seat, um, the F-150 is definitely roomier than the Rivian. It's wider. Mm -hmm. It's longer. Um, you can put three, three guys my size, you know, three broad-shouldered adult males back there um, in the back seat. They'll have tons and tons of leg room, tons of head room, and plenty of shoulder room uh, side by side in, in that back seat. Uh, the uh, Rivian, uh, for at least for two adults, um, you know, and, and or you know, three slimmer people because uh, it is narrower, um, and you'll still have you won't have you know kind of limousine style leg room in the back seat, but it's still solid. You know, you'll have you know plenty of room uh, for at least two and a half adults in the. Uh, in the backseat of the Rivian. Um, charging with a trailer is often a challenge. Um, they're starting to do more, uh, at least Electrify America is starting to do more charging locations that have uh, pull through charger setups rather than bait, you know, like just parking spots that you pull into and, and plug in uh, so you don't have to block other chargers. Um, 
the unfortunately the the ones like here in in the northern part of Michigan that I've been to don't have that configuration yet. Uh, so you might end up having to block something um, it, or disconnect the trailer while you're charging. The uh, the, the station I stopped at uh, near Kalamazoo, Michigan, when I went to Wisconsin a few weeks ago, um, their setup is actually it's not officially pull through but they're they're configured so you can and, and also the one in milwaukee you could actually pull in there with the truck with the trailer hooked up you will be blocking one or the other chargers for a while but um you can get through there without disconnecting your uh, um your um trailer so uh they're getting better at configuring charging charging locations like that but that's still going to be a problem for a while uh mock vlog asks how's blue cruise how quiet is it on the highway and back roads how does the rear suspension compare to the ice version um the blue cruise you know we talked about before but you know it works fine it's not as good as super cruise um it's better than what's offered by rivian um it is amazingly quiet on the highway uh and back roads um much more so than the the rivian uh and then the rear suspension uh, that independent rear suspension is way smoother than what you'll get on any other F-150. Um, and because of the 50-50 weight distribution, it doesn't have the tendency to bounce when you hit bumps. Uh, so it's it feels much more supple. And even though the Rivian has air springs, um, the, the Ford was actually a smoother ride over rough pavement, which I found surprising. Uh, Clinton Cassatin or Cassatin? Kakatan, I'm not sorry if I mispronounced Kis, that. Kasatan. I'm going Kasatan. Kasatan? Okay. I don't know. Clinton, let us know where, how badly we're mangling your name. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, still confused about range in a blackout situation. If you're powering a house but have to go places, can you extend the battery, extend the range with a generator? Just looking at worst case scenarios with a big battery vehicle. So here's the deal: if you have the extended range battery, it's got 131 kilowatt hours of capacity in it. Average American household, normal use, uses about 29 kilowatt hours a day. So three days, you're going to use about 90 kilowatt hours. That's going to leave you close to 40 kilowatt hours. So you're going to have about 30% of your battery left after three days, assuming you haven't um, done any throttling of your electrical load in your house. You know, if you, you know, if you start turning stuff off in your house so you're not using as much electricity, you can... Ford says you can go up to 10 days, which is, I think, realistic. Um, you know, can you extend the range of the truck with a generator? Yeah, you can certainly do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you got a generator, why not just plug that into your house? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think what, you, what you'll probably want to do is, you know, run, you know, you can set uh, a, an amount, a minimum state of charge that you want it to go down to in the truck. So like 30, 40%, whatever, whatever level, uh, you know, depending on how far you might need to go to get somewhere else to get, get power, charge it back up. So, you know, if you can, if there's, you know, say a DC fast charger that's working, that's 20 miles away from you. Um, you know, if you tell it to save 35, 40% of your, of your charge, um, you'll have more than enough to, you know, unplug from your house for an hour or so, go plug it in, charge it up, come back, and then plug your house back into your truck and keep on going. That's kind of the way I'd go. Um, Sean Aaron asks, uh, I'd like to know how it goes off-road. Those highway tires, chin spoiler, and running boards seem to really restrict what it can do. 
You you drove it off road uh, in Texas, Nicole. What'd you think? I thought it was good off road. I I, I we it wasn't a long course that we got to do, but we did get to do some off road driving. Um, I think it's it, it's probably to do more than you expect. I feel like it's very much like the regular F one fifty. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it does. It, the, what, the difference is, yes, yeah, sure, it's an EV underneath all that, but it does all the F one fifty things you expect. So if you take in a regular F one fifty off road similarly equipped, you're going to find that it, it behaves similarly. And I think that's actually a really good thing because I, you, you kind of don't want every EV to be like, oh, this is totally different because it's an EV. No, you kind of want it to do what it did when it wasn't an EV in the case of a truck very much so. And I feel like it was, I, I had no issues with it off-road. There was an either there was a sort of like, we did a, you know, driving up and down hills and a little bit of rockiness, you know, we weren't crawling over stuff like I did in a Bronco, but like there was a, there was a good amount of, if you were driving on some pretty rugged terrain, it could do it. And then there was a little high speed, tiny little high speed lap, like tiny, you know, enough, you got up to speed, went around a corner and you were done, but that was fun. And it handled well. And that was like in the dirt. So I think that off-road, I didn't have issues with it. I think, you know, you're right. The running boards, if you're going to do some like crazy rock crawling and stuff, those aren't going to work out well, but for the majority of folks, and you can modify stuff. If you are going to, you know, want to do something a little bit more aggressive, then you might want to do some modifications to make it an aggressive off-road vehicle that it is not, but it lives up to the expectation of what you would think an F-150 could typically do if you're going to take it off-road. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not going to compete with, you know, a Tremor or a Raptor version of the F-150, Right. but you know, for any, you know, comparable to what you would get for, you know, a similar, trim level, like an XLT, a Lariat, or, or, um, or a Platinum, you know, it'll do what those can do. And it does have a locking rear diff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, you know, that's good. Um, you know, the, you don't get the running boards on like the, uh, uh, the XLT, I think, or the Lariat. So, I mean, if, if that's what you want to do, you know, <clears throat> you might want to go with one of those, but you know, the Platinum is really the, the on-road truck. Uh, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the types of things that most people are going to use an F-150 off-road for, like, you know, working on the farm, you know, it, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, seriously, I mean, you know, going across a field on a farm, it'll handle that fine. That, that mm-hmm. won't be a problem at all. Um, Gupta AJ asks, can I buy it? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> all depends how much you want to spend. <laughs> you know, if, if you want to the... wait, <laughs> well, I mean, you can get it now if you want to pay the markups. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're if you're patient, yes, you can you can buy it, or you know, if you're willing to spend the money, you can buy it. Um, so there's that. Uh, Brian Shields asks, uh, cost to charge uh, from full versus gas prices. So um, mm-hmm. the F one fifty, the gas F one fifties, you can get them with three different, or actually four different gas tank sizes, twenty three. 26 gallons or 36 gallons and the the hybrid comes with a 30 gallon tank for some reason um and at current michigan gas prices and this is for regular (laughs) not premium um you know that'll cost you anywhere from 123 to 190 dollars to fill the tank uh and and an f-150 uh depending on what what tank size you've got the charging on you know charging it up doing a full charge from zero to 100 percent um charging at home uh again you know michigan electricity prices are you know, actually close to the national average about 12 cents a kilowatt hour it cost you about 16 bucks um and if you're charging at you know an ea station 16 um, bucks without, without paying the four That's bucks a month nothing. for the 
for the uh, for the, the the Plan Plus uh, where you get the discount. So you're paying forty three cents a kilowatt hour, fifty six dollars. Um, so it's you know even though you know you've got about um, let's see the, with the thirty six gallon tank you're going to have about seven hundred miles of range, hundred and ninety bucks. Um, you know with uh, you know you're going to have about three hundred with the Lightning. Um, $56, you know, so if you double that, you know, to get the same range, still, you know, about a hundred bucks. So it's going to cut, you know, at the most expensive DC fast charging, it's still going to cost you half as much for the same amount of driving range. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's definitely going to be a lot cheaper. Um, and the same thing, all the same things are true for the Rivian because it gets roughly, it's got roughly the same size battery and similar range. Uh, Coach Cabrera, charging times. Ride quality, infotainment system, seat comfort. Thank you. Um, charging times, DC fast charging at 150 kilowatts. It'll go 10 to 80 percent in about 45 minutes. Um, if you have the, uh, the it come the the extended range trucks come bundled with the 80 amp charger, um, the the Pro Charge Station Pro. Um, it'll charge that fully, do a full charge, uh, zero to 100 overnight in about a little over eight hours. Um, most of the time you're not going to be doing a full charge, um, ride quality, as I said, much better than the gas truck and better than the Rivian, uh, infotainment system. Um, you know, if you like sync four, it's great. Uh, I'm fine with it. Works, works well. Um, you know, it, uh, it's easy to use, uh, reasonably responsive seat comfort. Um, the, the seats are comfortable on the platinum. You get massaging seats. Um, they're, uh, not quite as sophisticated as the massaging seats in the Navigator, but uh, but they'll do. Um, and um, you know the seats, you know, in typical truck fashion, are a little wider and they feel a little flatter. So it's, you know, not sports car seats. The the seats in the Rivian are definitely a little narrower, give you a little more lateral support for that uh, that sporty driving. Uh, but uh, you know, no no complaints uh, after many hours of of driving both of these trucks. Um, Harry Tiffany JV or IV, uh, or is that the fourth? I don't the know. The fourth. Yeah, probably the fourth. Uh, how intuitive is the software? Uh, where can you charge? Uh, how long does charging take at home? Uh, just mentioned that. Is the dash clean or cluttered? Um, the Rivian dash is very clean, uh, almost to a fault, as I mentioned. <laughs> no, could use could use a few more buttons and switches. A little less clean, please. <laughs> yeah, uh, but but the Rivian. One thing I didn't mention, even though the Rivian is very minimalist, it does feel more, much more premium than a typical Tesla. Really nice wood trim mm -hmm. and the other materials. Uh, it's vegan leather, but uh, it looks it looks very premium. Uh, it looks like something that would be more of a competitor to a Range Rover than what you get with a Tesla. Um, the software. Um, I thought the I actually preferred the Ford software. Um, the the Rivian software is pretty. It's got nice graphics, but not you know not as always as responsive. And you know the touch targets are sometimes often smaller, um, so a little bit more challenging to use and to find what you're looking for. Um, and then charging you know anywhere where there's a CCS charger um, or a, a 1772 home charger. Uh, let's see, Alan Bayless, uh, which version pro platinum and standard battery size and rear wheel drive, rear wheels oh, drive. Gosh. Um, so there's no rear wheel drive for either of these. They're all four wheel drive. They all come standard with all wheel drive or four wheel drive. Um, I had the platinum, um, and, uh, did not 
drive the standard battery this time. Uh, we did drive it in Texas. Um, what range you seeing in real world environments? Um, I didn't do a full, you know, to depleted range test, but based on the the 2.1 miles per kilowatt hour, uh, I was getting it should actually probably do a little better than the label, which is about somewhere around 320 miles, uh, 315 to 320 miles for the the Lightning, uh, and similar for the uh, for the Rivian. Um, off road, we'd already talked about. Uh, mm -hmm. Did you get to try out Blue Cruise? Yep, we talked about that too. Uh, Ranig asks, uh, towing long range experience, uh, including charging along the way. We talked about that, uh, previously. Uh, <laughs> I'm reading the next one. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, Kev Bick, will you make my payments? Uh, no. No. We already <laughs> talked about we're riders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> remember the very small pile of money, Kev? Just so you remember. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Felonius Musk asks, uh, how does it compare to driving Tesla's superior Cybertruck? We don't know um, if it's a pair because well, no one's driven it. Yeah. <laughs> when, when, if and when it ever exists, uh, we'll let you know. Yeah. We'll hold uh, that question. Just stick it in a file, Sam, yeah. and we'll go back to it. Put that on the shelf. Come back mm -hmm. to it in about three years. Yeah. Um, Truist, uh, why can't we get an F-150 Lightning Pro model with an extended battery? Actually, you can. Um, you can't configure it through Ford.com, but um, they do offer it through Ford Pro, through the commercial sales division. So commercial customers can buy the Lightning Pro with the extended battery. And that one is perhaps probably your actually your best value. because uh, that's it's like ten grand extra for the extended battery. So you're looking at fifty thousand dollars for Lightning Pro with the, the extended range battery. Uh, and you get still get lots of stuff in there that you know I think makes it a probably a really good value. Uh, but you have to go to a Ford Pro dealer to get that and order it through them rather than through the standard commercial retail channels. Uh, from the vegging, how's the front visibility? Same as any other truck. I know. You're, you're, like... you're up high, the hood's long. Uh, anybody standing in front of you, you're probably not going to see them. Um, and this, you know, I mean, this is this is an issue with any big truck or SUV. And and this is really true for both. Mostly trucks, though, at this point. Because the SUVs still have some sort of design where there's a little bit of a, an angle. The trucks are just a flat well, I mean, if, square if you're now. If you're talking a, a full size, like a, an Expedition or a Tahoe. That know, Escalade I drove, that was big. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, it depends, on, all, it depends on the SUV, I think. Yeah. The lack of visibility still comes down to just its design decision. And, mm -hmm. and but, but one thing I do like about the Ford pickups is the if you, when you look at the side windows, um, they dip down in the front. Uh, near the mirrors so you actually get better visibility so you get lower belt line uh, up from front so if you're looking to the front quarters you can see more in in close to you as you're maneuvering and so it's actually a lot easier to maneuver with those uh, charging port usb charging ports uh, there's eight in the uh, f-150 two in the front um, and then six inside the the cabin um, and then i think there's only two or three three in the rivian um, how's the handling like in urban city settings? It's a big truck. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I mean, both of them are, you know, even though the Rivian's smaller, it's still challenging to, to maneuver them in mm -hmm. tight spaces. You know, if you're like any big truck. Yeah. It, you know, it's no, it's no different. You know, it, it behaves just like any other truck. Uh, better yet. How do people look at you when they see it's electric and you don't have to pay for gas? Um, more so with the Rivian that people notice the Rivian because it's styling is different the the f-150 
most people didn't even notice that it was a lightning um you know because it looks so much like a standard f-150 um fahim uh, mazhari um when is the explorer uh, electric launching um 2024 is what mm -hmm. uh, i've been told we'll probably see it sometime next year um chris chen can you lift it um i'm not quite as strong as i used to be when i was younger um so <laughs> so no <laughs> You'd ask five years Rob, ago, even like, yeah, totally. Robbie can probably do it, um, but Robbie can do it. <laughs> yeah. He's got the height, so he's got that leverage. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, um, you uh, at some. I'm I'm assuming it's only a matter of time before somebody offers uh, a lift kit. Uh, I would I would be shocked if at uh, the SEMA show this this fall, uh, if we don't see some customized uh, lightnings with lift kits and assorted other stuff. Um, how's range affected when you use things like the AC or when you use the outlets in the bed for tools or other items? Um, I think a lot of customers would appreciate a more real-world range estimate. Well, the 2.1 miles per kilowatt hour I got with both of these was, you know, fairly warm weather or hot weather. Uh, we had it got a day when it got up to like 96 degrees, so I was using the air conditioning. Um, and that, you know, so that was, you know, I was getting equivalent of over EPA label um efficiency with uh even with the ac on um uh, with the ac off i i think i was uh getting like 2.3 miles per kilowatt hour so uh yeah you're going to get some degradation uh same thing when you're using the pro power system it's going to consume some battery but you know it depends on what you're using um you know mm -hmm. what tools you're using you get a maximum of 9.6 kilowatts output there um so you know if you're using the full output of 9.6 kilowatts um, you know, for an eight hour workday, you know, you're looking at what's, uh, eight times 10, eight, you know, 80 kilowatt hours, uh, that you, that you might potentially consume. You're going to have a hard time using all of that power. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, that, that might be the equivalent of, you know, a couple hundred miles of range. Uh, love to see how long it takes to t charge a Tesla enough to go another 50 miles or so. Uh, roadside assistance to another EV is a great feature. Um, yeah, uh, I think, you know, 9.6 kilowatts, um, you could, or let's see, the 240 volt outlet uh, is only 30 amps, um, so which is what, uh, 30 times 240. Okay, you can hear the calculator. Yeah. Doing seven, math, seven, doing seven, the math. Seven, seven <laughs> kilowatts, um, 7.2 kilowatts. So um, you're going to be, you're probably going to be able to put about, uh, uh, 50 miles on, you know, in maybe a little over an hour, um, with, uh, with that, um, from, from the, uh, lightning. Um, and I'm sure that we will see, you know, some, you know, AAA and other roadside assistance companies using these things to provide, uh, assistance to EVs that are stranded. Um, and finally the Sphinx, uh, does it explode randomly like a Tesla burning you to death? Um, it, it did not during the week that I had it um we'll have to wait and see uh, I, there you I, go I, I I'm, I'm not aware of of any ford evs uh exploding randomly to date uh but you know anything can happen all right uh and i think that's enough for today okay <laughs> he's like i'm done I'm that's done. it I'm done. i've had it done with your questions people <laughs> yay uh anything else you two want to add no that's it no all right uh, then we'll see you next week. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.